Hey everyone, welcome to Living the Liminal, Braving the Edge podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. I am Christy Peck, an intuitive life coach, mentor to many, and writer and author. Beyond this podcast, I wrote a book about transformation and the journey to wholeness called Coming Home, A Love Story. You can find it on Amazon or my website at www.christypeck.com, along with a lot of other resources and ways to get in touch with me if you're interested or curious about what coaching can do for you. This podcast is a place, a conversation, a learning classroom. We talk and we share stories about what it means to live fully alive in the in-between. That pause can be truly frightening as hell and magically splendid at the same time. Authentically meeting our moments is what we are here for. And together, we can nourish our hearts and soul with creativity and adventure. I mean, come on, let's get messy here. Bold courage. Why don't we just go for it? Full-on emotions. Because why not? Your wild instinct and intuition that honestly often gets set aside in our busy lives. And of course, my favorite, inspiration. We really do need this lifeline. I am so glad you are here. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week, Living the Liminal. I'm so glad you're here. Um, We did part two or part one last week with Scott, and we're here again with Scott again for part two. And I'm just going to give you the bio again, Scott's background. We were kind of laughing about, do we really need to read it again? But I kind of like, I think we need to, you know, cheer ourselves on by reading exactly what we've accomplished so far. It's a cool thing. So again, this week, we have Scott Neumeister, PhD, is a literary scholar and author, a TEDx speaker, and mythic pathfinder from Tampa, Florida, where he earned his doctorate in English from the University of South Florida. His specialization in multi-ethnic American literature and mythology comes after careers as an information technology systems engineer and a teacher of English and mythology at the middle school and college levels. He is co-author of Let Love Lead on a Course to Freedom with Gary Lemons and Susie Howler, as well as a facilitator for the Joseph Campbell Foundation's Myth and Meaning Book Club at Literati. And we are here for part two of Myths and the Stories We Tell in the Liminal Space. So Scott, welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you. If uh, this is as good as part one, I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> well, and even as I'm reading your bio again, you know, like what popped out again was the TEDx speaker. We never even really talked about like that. Like, what was your TEDx about? Uh, well, uh, very much it, along with the themes of my uh, of my bio, there it was on Hermes, okay, which is a, Greek, a Greek myth, and on language and how the myth of Hermes taught is really a myth a myth about how language works. Oh, wow. Because part one, you talked about Hermes was the thing about the crossroads, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, Hermes is a very complex figure. Yes, he's very complex. But again, this idea of language is a trick. Uh, You know, if you really want to go in some depth on that, I'd encourage the listeners to go 
uh, it's on YouTube. You can look up my name with with TEDx, and it's there. Okay. So, yeah. So it's okay. it's uh, a yeah, language is also a trick. Tricks tricksterism is everywhere, Christy. It's everywhere. I wish people would understand. Oh my God, I totally love it. Like I love that. Okay, so we're gonna have all that on the show notes so that people can follow Scott because I would definitely follow Scott on Instagram. He is does these amazing little like in Halloween. You, you took the the movies and the scary movies and you kind of like gave us a background on some of that symbolism and archetypes and and the and the the creatures and how we can take a look at our own life and it was fascinating to me. I don't I don't like scary movies, but it was fascinating to me. So I can't wait for more of that. We've talked about that. Um, okay, so here's what I thought we would do for part two. Scott seems to be up for it. So I'm going to let him sit and I'm going to sit in the hot seat. He's going to sit over there. And what I thought was the end of part one, Scott and I was talking and Scott, you mentioned that I said, you know, I'm not really interested in myths and not a lot of people are. How do we like find our way with learning from them? Because they have a wealth of, of knowledge to teach us and insight and wisdom. And how do we get closer? See, this is all about braving the edge. How do we get closer to myths if we don't really like them? And you had talked about that you find the one that speaks to you. So something in me has spoken when I've heard something about this myth or seen it or something, right? Um, and I think the same can happen when we watch a movie, but we're gonna use myths for right now. And you talked about like the self-inventory and the self-examination, self-reflection, the self-interrogation. I love that word, even though it's kind of woo-hoo. So <laughs> I thought, let's put me in the hot seat because something popped into my head when you said that. I have always felt a rise in me when someone talks about, or if I read about Persephone and the story of Persephone. So first of all, tell us the story of Persephone and then we'll go from there. Okay, Persephone the, is, a, is a Greek myth, okay? And uh, Persephone is the daughter of Demeter or Demeter, depending how you want to pronounce it, um, who is the uh, goddess of nature in Greek mythology. And one day, uh, Persephone is out kind of wandering and, you know, picking flowers in a field. And suddenly the earth cracks open and out of this chasm that's, that's, that's opened up, uh, Hades, who is the god of the underworld, the god of the dead, uh, mm -hmm. comes up in his, uh, in his chariot and basically uh, kidnaps Persephone to the underworld to be his bride. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a creepy thing that this guy out of nowhere just, you know, grabs her and, and takes her, takes her away. And, um, you know, obviously Demeter can't find her daughter and is very distraught by this um, and kind of, uh, you know, looks around everywhere for her, you know, and, and no, no sign of her. Um, while in the underworld, Persephone kind of you know, she's kind of biding her time, like, well, what's going on here? And yeah, okay, technically I'm your queen or whatever, but I, this isn't by choice. I don't want to be here. You know, the underworld basically not, not my, not my space, right? Um, so Demeter, because she's so distraught, she says, look, I'm, you know, the things that I normally kind of have sway over, which is the, you know, which is the flowering and growing of nature, I'm not going to be doing that as long as I'm mourning for my daughter. So 
from that comes the story of how we have seasons in that, you know, when basically when Demeter is mourning, um, that, that, the, that, you know, we, we have, you know, fall and winter and, and, and we have the decay of, of nature as we, as we know it. So finally, um, the, a, a negotiation happens by which they, they you know, they say uh, Persephone needs to come out of the underworld. Persephone needs to come to, to, to be with her mother and for nature to return to its normal kind of state. So, uh, however, Hades, being the trickster, having a little bit of trickster in him, in him, um, asks her to eat from a pomegranate. Mm. And in in eating a, a certain amount of seeds, which varies from depending depending on the the which version of the myth you hear, but it's a, a certain number of seeds that she eats of this pomegranate. That that number then uh, of seeds then becomes the number of months with which she has to return to the underworld every year. So this isn't a clean getaway from her time in the underworld. Okay. She has to go back every year to repeat this cycle, which, okay. is why, which is why there is a cycle of seasons. It wasn't just, oh, one year, we had this kind of time when nothing grew and then everything came back and everything's fine you know, for the rest yeah. of the time. It's, it's the cyclic uh, kind of thing. So Persephone is kind of part-time queen of the underworld but also part-time in the upper world. So okay. she really is this kind of liminal, you know, she, she represents this liminality that is kind of your theme, is that she's never really always one or always another thing. Or yes. if we wanted to put it in those Jungian terms, uh, listen to the first part of the episode, if you want to, uh, uh, the Jungian explanation at the end, there's a persona side, which is the sunny, bright, you know, side on the, in the upper world. And then there's the dark side, which is the shadow of the underworld. So she has she has to integrate both those things. So there's there's the short version of the myth. Okay. So then, if the myth, and and what I what I thought we do is just dig a little into the myth, and and I'll be a little in the hot seat, vulnerable, and yes. and we'll we'll give our audience a little taste of how we can play with the concepts and the themes and the characterization and what things mean and kind of extract why this myth speaks to me so much. Yes, and so that, so again, out of all that story there or all the, you know, the things that she went through or the scenario, whatever, what is it that says to you, I feel this, I get this, I know what this is like, I, um, I, I, am, I am her in some way, or I've known a Persephone situation in my life. What, what, what speaks to you in it? What part of it? Well, I mean, I think initially the word daughter kind of stood out, right? Because that's, mm. I, I um, while I'm many things, I think that's the role that has been um it led me to like so it's the um the maiden the mother the crone archetype the idea that the daughter is the innocent one or the childlike the um the younger one like the younger one that's one one aspect of the liminal space old pattern younger so that speaks to me the other part there's kind of three things that it speaks to me the other part is um the idea of persona shadow, like recognizing these, these, how I show up, 
So how I show up in the different roles, how I show up, how I've always tried to show up, really the concept of the persona as fitting in, because that's something I really resonate with, showing up so that I fit in with others, um, neglecting or rejecting aspects of me because that didn't allow me to fit in. So that speaks to me. And then the other thing, and you didn't necessarily say it, but it's kind of coming to me is the concept of underworld and integrating some aspects like a dual nature, something that keeps surfacing for me is this part of like being this spiritual connectedness, but a human, like, like these two bobbing in the buoyancy of these two worlds. Like, how do I, and, and I'm, I'm even thinking so much as like, when you talk about crossing the threshold, like, like, I feel like I'm going in one door, out the other, and back, back, like back and forth, like, a, like, um, you know, stepping into one phase and then stepping into another. And how do you live both balancing, harmonizing? So those are the things that pop out immediately when you were sharing the story. Do you okay? So let, let's let's kind of dig into some details here. Okay. This is again. This is uh, we're modeling this for the listening slash watching audience. Yeah, okay? yeah. We're, we're so doing that. Let's, self let's dig into a little bit of the. Yeah, yeah. But but again, hopefully as a model, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, okay. So you, the first thing you said was about the girl, the mother, the mother daughter thing. Mm -hmm. Did you um? You know, I mean, the, the, so the archetype initially that, that Persephone kind of is embodying is this kind of young, innocent, right? She's just kind of out there, kind of like a little bit riding hood, you know, when the big bad wolf yeah. shows up, right? That yeah. kind of, you know, um, do you, um, do you, did you have an experience like that in your life of kind of being innocent and then suddenly you grew up really fast? Um, did you feel like you weren't protected by your mother with that? Um, is there something about that aspect, you know, of the story that you really like, yeah, this, you know, that sudden, something suddenly that happened to me, really, that, that, that's, I get Persephone with that. Yes, yes, to all of these. <laughs> you, you don't have to give detail, again, but again, this no. is. Okay, it's something so, I talk to the listeners about, so yeah, um, the idea of being innocent and then being kind of thrusted in, um, you know, back when I was 17, there was just this moment where my father showed up and boom, he was like, I'm out of here. And there you go. You grew up that day. It was the night before Thanksgiving. I grew up really fast. Um, and there's a whole story around that. I don't, we don't really need to get into that story. So yeah, there's one moment Then yep. I think the other moment is me being this daughter, mother, um, you know, having my life and then kind of coming into a moment when I realized that I needed to estrange from my mother because there were things about that relationship that were not healthy. So that was another moment where it was like, boom, I had to grow up and become this sort of what I call spirit of eldership. Like I had to have wisdom to get I was no longer this kid, but I wasn't the adult mother either. I had to like become someone wiser, like who gets life in a different way. Like, so thrusting me even forward more than that. So yes. Yeah. So again, this is this, thank you. That's beautiful connection kind of happening there with the story, because this is absolutely what, what happened is that the, you know, that idea of 
the the kind of the lightning bolt change that mm -hmm. comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Again, very kind of archetypally universal event, and and um, so that's that 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 beginning of the story, which you know th this this story doesn't follow in many ways the classic hero's journey. She I wouldn't necessarily call Persephone a hero. She is heroic in her own way, but it's not. It's more of a feminine hero's journey than a masculine yeah. one. But that is her her crossing of the threshold, right? And it, yeah. and it comes and it's not a choice she makes at all because oftentimes in these kind of hero stories. But when you when you go to the world of adventure, it's not by choice. Something happens to you. You don't get to say, you know what, I'm going to do that, or I'm not. It just it, it it's just an event that happens. Yes. out of your control, right? And so yes. that um, the um, the inciting inciting moment is is exactly that. You, you you didn't know, you didn't plan. It just happened. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then the second thing that you're mentioning too is stepping into a role that you aren't ready for. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's exactly what Persephone had to do. She, like I was saying, she she wasn't made to be meant to be a queen, right? Of anything. Okay. Uh, she, but so suddenly, you know, this this uh, this very powerful and important figure, you know, one of the twelve, you know, Olympian deities, although he doesn't live in Olympus, takes her and says, "You are my queen. You will now rule with me the underworld." So. Talk about suddenly you're thrust into a role that you are not ready for at all or not wanting to do or not really no choice in that role. That's huge archetypally. That's many people can resonate with that. I, I didn't ask for this. This is what I wanted, but it by by force of, of necessity, um, here I am and I have to do it. So that's another thing I read in you kind of talking about that is being forced into being something that you didn't really have any choice in. Which is very interesting because the other part that as you're talking that keeps coming around the concept of the Persephone story for me is, and, and I dabble in, I, I say dabble because I'm not, I think a hundred percent ready to fully own this aspect of me um, in like the mediumship and the, the talking to angels and the spirits. I've had a lot of mystical moments, I mean, just recently, I had a mystical moment where um, a figure in my mind's eye showed up and it was my father. And I have no idea where my father is. I don't know if he's alive or dead. I have no idea. So of course, part of me is like, are you alive? Are you, are you here? Is it your soul that's coming forward? Is it very mystical? And again, because I can, I can, I, because I live in both worlds, okay, I can and I think there is an aspect of me that sort of has been calling towards me to come through and be expressed. The idea of like a modern shaman where the medicine, the healing medicine is there, but it's not in the way we've always thought about it. It's, it's using language and using words and using stories and using the experiences to heal ourselves. So when you're talking about Persephone, being thrust into a role she doesn't perceive she's ready for someone else kind of like the outer experience um, brought her that experience. That really speaks to me. Very much. And so again, that then maybe that quality of her journey is mm -hmm. part of what it appeals to you is that, yes, I have experienced this in my life in in big ways, in ways that have changed me. 
in ways that have made me, you know, that there was pain involved, but at the same time, maybe also, wow, now I have, I'm in two worlds. And now that I've, I've, I've seen what this other world was that I had no clue about, didn't want, didn't expect, wasn't ready for, now I am, and then this is kind of another part of the hero's journey at the very end, this idea of being the master of two worlds, right? Is that you, you had this adventure world and you have an ordinary world and now you can do both, which again is very much this individuation process that we talk about. I have a persona, I have a shadow, and now I can do both, right? So that's very much in that mode. How can you do both? How you think of, like, do you think of that too, that like um, master of both worlds and, and both worlds could be the human world and the spiritual world or the persona and the shadow, it's whatever, whatever we're thinking. But do you think that that's like, is that how you define like self-actualization, like, like the concept of coming home? Sure. I mean, that's an aspect of it. I, that, um, because I, I think, you know, part of this, again, using the Jungian perspective, this model of how we, how our psyches operate and this yeah. idea of we have this thing uh, that we want to present and they have this thing that we want to hide and that the kind of the fight between those things that it's an immediate setup for limitation it's an immediate setup for being limited it's an immediate setup for non-freedom as one of your themes is right so yeah. think about this this idea of you know worlds you know normal and adventure you know light and dark whatever you want to call it right as the full you the full you, the fullness of being, self, the, the self-actualization, right? This idea of whatever the self is. And you can even speak about that in mystical terms too, like beyond the self, this, this you know, right, this right. Gel, or even what my mind considers to be me, right? right? What's that beyond, right? How is that me and how am I it, right? Yeah. All of those kind of dualities, right? We have to see the fullness of it, not just this one side that we tend to be kind of stuck in. You know, man, that whole idea of self, self inventory, self, um, what did you call it? Examination. I like your better word, self interrogation. Those are hard. I think the storytelling helps to kind of elicit the freedom to look at yourself in a little different way. Because, like you, like when we played with Persephone, I can take the words of your story. The, the language in the story and I can apply it to me and it feels a little safer to do that. Yes. Well, part of it, and this is again, because I've dug so deeply into kind of the psychology of, of, of this phenomenon, that this mm-hmm. resonance phenomenon that we're talking about here is that once you see yourself in a story and see now here's the power myth, these myths are thousands of years old. And if yeah. we did this with star Wars, you know, that's 40 years old, whatever, 50 years right. old. Okay. We do this with Persephone. This is like before writing was even invented, right? This is how old this is. So for you to be resonating, for you to say that there's this qualities, archetypal qualities of this that are me too across thousands of years. I mean, you, you feel the sense of belonging to it, to something's much bigger than your, your own life and your own problem to say somebody you know, it, you know, whether this was a fantasy scenario, right? Whether it really was a Persephone somehow or not, the, this fact that it's lasted this long, I'm part of something so big and how powerful and comforting that is. It's not just my little world and my little scenario. Um, 
and my experiences. It's I. I it's like the origination of life itself, and I'm bringing forth a, a a life a life in and of itself, and it's it's nurturing the aliveness in my life in this moment, based upon pulling forward all of this good juicy stuff that I'm gonna come into now this moment with. Yes, yes. And even if even if there aren't, as we talked about before, like uh, like a list of you know bullet pointed solutions to whatever your things are, right. just, that, just that idea, that connectedness idea to say this theme, this thing that I experienced, which I, again, we just tend to kind of close in on our life, our world, this moment, our time, whatever, to say this connects me with with all of humanity somehow. This story that resonates with so many, like that's I'm a part of that, and yeah. it kind of it kind of reduces the the ego's grasp gra- uh, grasp on the problem, right? To say, yeah, oh, look at look at how good. bad this is for you and how they no look no. It you feels know? like anything I decide to do from this moment on, when we end this podcast and I move on, anything feels like, wow, there's an infinite amount of possibility here. Like there's not just one way, like it, it really just, just talking about that. And I think the other big part of it is in just playing with what we played with, right? Me connecting it to a personal experience or something I went through, what resonated, what spoke through me. Um, I don't have to know what it means any further than just being curious in this moment you know, bringing up the idea of a modern shaman, bringing up the idea of my past experiences. I don't have to take them any further. I feel like the story itself will start to unfold just because I allowed something to come through in that way. I I wanted to bring up something that you and I discussed offline way back when we were kind of talking about the the podcast, because I think it needs to come up. We, we, We had a moment then, let's bring the moment to now. Um, and that is this idea of the shaman as a liminal figure, hmm. okay? Um, my dissertation was using the archetype of the shaman and this idea of liminal figure. So that was kind of part of yeah. what we got excited about. So let's, you know, so okay. let me just talk about that a little bit too. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll give you the brief version of my story that kind of, that, that kind of preps this. What, um, I had written... You know, over the course of my graduate English career, you know, many papers, you write based on paper per class, right? Yeah. So my major professor encouraged me, said, take the, go, go get all your papers out, get it, physically get them out mm-hmm. and lay them all on the floor in front of you and, and then start kind of, you know, kind of feeling the energy, right? Saying, which are, the, which are the ones that are calling you? What are the ones that are here to get you, right? So it's kind of a mystical moment. Yeah. So I picked, so I picked these papers out. I think they're just random. This one, and this one, okay. And I had them in a stack. Like, okay, here they are. Now, of course, being the writerly person that I am, what's I'm like? How do I weave these together? These were this was written in 2009. This is 2015. This is how you know these are all. They've all got points to them, and all their some like some good insight, whatever. How do they join? How are they together? So I, um, I said, okay. Some, something something is going to happen that's going to tell me some synchronicity will happen. Yeah. I went and I, I saw a play with my major professor called Joe Turner's Come and Gone. <laughs> August, it's an August Wilson play. In mm. that play, there was a character that is a shaman, okay? Um, 
he's you know a hoodoo man right as as you might call it in you know yeah. in that kind of uh, in the language of the play right and I, I, I the actor was wonderful the part was wonderful and I'm like oh that that guy's amazing and how cool was that that night I went to bed I woke up the following morning and I'm in that kind of liminal space between mm-hmm. sleep and waking so just I'm not getting up yet but I'm not going back to sleep so I'm just sitting there and I get this download, whatever you want to call it, that the shaman, that shaman is the link with all of these papers. All these papers are joined by this archetype of the shaman. Yeah. And I I just, and it wasn't, it wasn't irrational. It wasn't me sitting there thinking it out. It wasn't like, okay, uh, it was, it was a download. Okay. Mystical. So I said, well, that's interesting. So then once I was in my waking mind and really kind of reading over and going through, I'm like, oh yes, all of these figures have this shamanic quality in oh, that wow. they are, they are people that have this kind of ordinary existence that they that they they are are in and are called to cross over to some other kind of existence, <laughs> right? Like a shaman would who goes and you know yeah. speaks to spirits or goes into trances or whatever like that. And then then there's something that they bring back from that that benefits those around them, okay? There's this kind of, this going and and coming back with gifts, with insight, with healing, with, you know, whatever positive quality. Yes. So, but again, this idea of your flexibility in doing that to go from one state to the other and then back again, this is exactly what you're talking about with Persephone is how does she do that every single year? How is she this upper world? Oh, flowers and nature and la, 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 la. And then boom, now you're in the underworld dealing with spirits, dealing with, you know, uh, kind of darkness and, and, uh, and, and dreariness also. The, the, so the, the, like all of those polarities. I feel like this conversation is whoever's listening. It's giving you permission to be in both. Yes. It's giving you permission to live in both sides of the threshold and to live in the threshold itself. Because as you're talking about, I didn't even think about Persephone in that way. Like, see there, there, there's the whole, like, hello, it's an hallelujah moment. Because that's not, when you talked about Persephone and you told the story, what came out, yeah, a little bit of the whole shaman thing came out, but because it keeps pugging me, it's like someone keeps poking at me. And I'm like, I don't understand how it all fits. Like, I don't understand this. But as you're talking, okay, that is my writing process. That is my living everyday process. That that has been my life process is I live in both sides. I live in both worlds. I, I you know, can get into that, darker woo-woo stuff, right? And have those downloads like you talked about. I have them quite frequently, a lot. Um, So much so that I'm like, what do I do with all this information? And then I can turn right around and go to a bar and have beers with my kids and my husband and talk trash on a team that's playing on football. And I am fully human in that way. So I I think that this is a beautiful conversation for our listeners to giving you permission to let these aspects of you, these archetypes, these characters, uh, the the beautiful, all the parts of you, the persona, the shadow, come and live with you, live a part, live your life with you in this moment. 
And I would say even further than that too, you might say, uh, you know, I don't know how oppositional those qualities that you're talking about kind of are in you, this kind of, you know, between those two things, but it really, you really start getting into, especially let's use Persephone again, this kind of upper world, lower world, light, dark, um, you know, warmth, cold, right? All the, the, the things that are very big dualities, big, you know, big polar opposites. That's when you really start getting into, do I have permission to be the thing, the opposite of what I think I am? Do I have, is there power to be gained by accessing the, the, the things that I, I, I think I'm scared of? I think I, if I show them, I won't be liked or I'm, there's high levels of discomfort that even my don't know why I have in being those things. Like my example of feelings, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, the bearing the feelings, right? Um, that's what, 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 so that it's really in those polarities and bringing that other side, is it okay to be, to have, yes, I'm, 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 I'm a truth teller, but you know, if Hermes needs to come out and be a liar, He's going to do it. Okay. He's a liar. <laughs> I he, love he's that. Do it. He's going to do it. Okay. When it's, when, when it's needed, right? Because if I'm so stuck in being the, the, the truth teller and I'm afraid to be the liar, then I, I, again, I lose power in my life. I lose part of me because there is a part of me that is able to do that. So to totally bury that I've lost myself. And like we're talking about with the listeners, there's yeah. parts of all of you, that, I, that, that need permission to come out for you to gain the real you, for you to gain your power, for you to show the fullness of the self that is, the upper and the lower world, the light and the dark, the heat and the cold, all of those things. And what I love about that, and, and again, you and I had this when we went to Denver together for our conference, was the idea of the higher knowledge and the lower knowledge. And when we talk about the ego and then transcending the ego, you know, so many times we want to, oh, we think self-actualization means that I am seeking the moment to be in that higher knowledge and that's where I want to live. But I think the beauty and the richness and the wealth of life is the buoyancy of both is just to recognize when my ego has attached to something that has an attachment to a thought, an idea, a person, an experience, and won't let go of it, and won't won't let it be set down, won't act out of it. I I just want to hold into I am right and this is the way it is. And I think those moments are hilarious when I catch myself in those because they are they are the wealth of the liminal moment to be like, oh wow, I can act in liminality and get on myself and like and move, I can move through this. I can cross the threshold. I can walk through the portal. I can enter a new doorway. I can choose a different way in the crossroads. This isn't all of who I am. There's so much more here, but if I don't have the ego, I'm flying around for what? Like, what's the purpose there? Like there's so much more depth to living all of that. Living the persona and the shadow being able to be the shaman and anything else that comes. I mean, like it's not one or the other. Yep. Yep. But you need, you need to understand your, 
your ability to find how that choice can be played out. Because so many people feel stuck in, this is the only choice I have. Right. This is, you know, even if they don't call it a pattern, even they don't call it a habituation, whatever, however they, you know, they might describe it. This is the way I am. Right. One of the first self-help books I ever read was by Wayne Dyer. Oh my God. I love him. And it, it, it's called, it's called your erroneous zones. One mm-hmm. of his early, early books. Yeah. That was and one of his concept. Very- I mean, and he actually, I mean, he actually, I, the reason I've been using those examples is that he, um, he talked about this kind of, uh, uh uh, limiting paradigms mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and closed mindsets that I can't because, and then you have a reason. I, I can't do that because I'm uh, a man, a woman, I'm Italian, I, you know, I'm whatever, the, you know, these, these kind of boxes that we put ourselves in that, you know, might, might help to define us in a way, but then become a prison as well. Okay. So there's no freedom in them. There's no right. freedom. Right. So what, you know, what, what we're kind of saying here is that to explore, you know, and these stories, again, this is where I'm going to bring myth back in, is that sometimes, like in my example of watching these rebels, mavericks, whatever, uh, and, and really saying, I love, I love watching them do what they do, mm-hmm. but not even, even understanding that that's, it's calling me to be more rebellious. It's calling yeah. me to be more maverick, right? So right now, I, you know, I, for my entire life, I worked for institutions, organizations, companies, whatever like that. Now, right now I'm independent. Right. So I'm finally, you know, I've kind of blown off the, 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 that, that thing to not be, to be my own, to be my maverick, my own maverick, finally at this stage of life. But it yeah. was me with those, again, they're not myths, but they're stories, right? right. My character, right. What, what did you love about him? I love the fact he was rebelling, that he was carving his own path, that he was, yeah. you know, making his own way. And that was a call on me. So it's, it's present. So what you, the things that you're attracted to are sometimes callings. Even if they're just stories, even if they're just the literature or film or myth or whatever like that, if you're really attracted to it, examine yourself. Is that really you or is that what you want to be? And the minute you're saying, well, it's something I really would love. Let's go deeper with that. What's stopping you? What are you afraid of? Well, you know, that being a maverick would mean that people would disapprove of me. So, okay, now we're getting to the root here. Okay, disapproval, right? So again, you can use these stories and, yeah. and, and these archetypes as pathways to to self-realization and then self-actualization if you're willing to do the work. Yeah. Like as you're talking, the thing that's coming through is the rebelliousness of my decision to estrange from a family of origin is unheard of, right? A lot of people don't want to talk about it. It freaks people out. Oh my gosh, that's your mother. That's your father. That's your family. You have to stay with them. You And then there's the systems thinker in me that says, you can break a system, you can create a new system, right? There's that freedom piece. Like, so there's something about me that wants to renegade and rebuild and create new. And and it's like, there again is the Persephone story of one world into another world. Like that, that whole idea of, Who's to say I can't be this? Who's to say that's the way it has to be? Just because someone gives you birth and that's the way you come into the world, it doesn't mean that that's the ownership of the, like I'm playing with systems thinking now on how this, and I've always been attracted to, back when I was in the school system, I loved the systems thinking, like something about it of let's let's dissect the system and let's figure out what's working and what's not working and let's fix the system and 
That's why my family of six people work, works very well together because we put systems in and if the system didn't work, we, we rearranged it to make a system that did work for all of us. And um, it's very interesting as we're talking, the depth that you can get to just talking about a story and the characters and the, the symbolism and the metaphors in the story and how they can connect and relate and resonate with you. I think that's another way of, um, you know, when you talked about self-help, so many of us, personal development, self-help, it kind of freaks us out when we talk about transformation. Oh, I don't know about that. That's kind of scary. But this seems to be more of a freeing um, where it's connecting you to parts of you you didn't know were there. It's the beautiful thing too, is that for the archetypes that you already are embodying, right? So with me, I wasn't embodying the maverick yet right? in those types of loving yeah. those movies. You know, those are 80s, 90s, 2000s movies. But the ones that I was, uh, you know, that I could see, yes, I, re I, re I resonate with this particular archetype. Well, those themselves, they all have, just as all of them do, um, you know, strengths and weaknesses and their weaknesses are shadow elements. Yeah. So by looking looking at a character that you love and you do say, yes, that I'm seeing myself very strongly in this, not as a desire, but what I really am. You can then, you know, read the story, watch the movie, whatever, and say, well, what's, what's their challenge? What's their weakness? What's the thing that's really causing them to, 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 to have a problem? And how, how, how does that speak to me? What are my, how do I have that same problem? Because they're, you know, because again, the, um, you know, for the hero, right? If that is your, your archetype, um, one of my famous, uh, it's a famous, it's, it's supposedly Abraham Maslow, but there's not really a great place to cite where Abraham Maslow said it. Um, speaking of self-actualization, um, he said, yeah. for, the per for the person who has a, uh, only has a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So that, that they're, right? So I love that kind of concept that if you're so invested in your archetype, you know, yeah. and don't recognize the shadow aspects, it takes over and it's got its problems. So that if you're just heroic all the time, you need to rescue everyone and you need to be, you need to solve every problem. Yeah, it's like if you're too much of the archetype or too too little of the archetype, you're gonna have some challenges there. Exactly. It's looking for that optimal space of the archetype to live through the flow of it. Yes. And so and knowing what those- other archetypes come through. We're not just all one. Exactly. And like I said earlier, like we all, we all have every one of them in us because they're just really there whether we are neutral to them, negative toward them, or they're just completely undeveloped, you know, that you, you, to have the choice to say, you know what, maybe I need a little bit of that. Like to, to me, again, that, re that, that, that rebel, I'm so scared of it. You know, you need a little bit of that rebel. No, 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 no. That's not good. Don't, don't rebel. You just need to be a good boy. Be a good boy. That's the, the tape playing in the head. Yeah. yeah. Suddenly to understand, well, what are the ways in which you can, you know, what are the ways you can start pushing boundaries? What are the ways of you can say, well, not all the time. Well, no, in this case, no. You so yes. you have to understand the 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 strengths that you can get from embodying archetypes that you feel are not you. Yeah, because they're already in you. They just haven't taken a lead actor role yet. Exactly. They're yes. Yes. There's. They're, yes, they're side players and extras. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just so far in your life, you just let them walk across the stage and didn't let them talk or anything. Or maybe you just wanted them to stand there and not even do anything. Now they want to actually be expressed. They want to be expressive through you. So I think that's a, a wealth of understanding. There's more depth to you. If you're listening, This is you're, there's more depth to you here. That's what we're talking about. 
and to explore and, and, and examine and ask questions and get curious about what really is resonating with you in life? What pings you when you're watching a movie or a myth or a story or, or singing, a, hearing a song? What pings your, your heart to want to explode? Like something just came alive in me. Okay, what is that? Go down that path. Follow that lead. That's a nugget of something good. Yep, you nailed it. Oh my gosh, this has been like so much fun. I can't stand it. I always love our talks because I feel like we just start playing with concepts and I love learning from you. You have a wealth of information on this. Thank you. Well, again, it's, it's fun with you as well, because you have that kind of curious openness. Um, you know, you, you want to, you, as much as you like your world, you want to explore other worlds and that's, you know, and I'm just kind of facilitating another world for you to explore. Here. I just like to dig. Yeah. It's like being an archeologist. I just really like to, be curious and dig and play with concepts and say, huh, I wonder if that's really true. Let me see if that really applies in my life. And how's that going to work? Yeah. Very much. And who knows, maybe, maybe some of your listeners, maybe they aren't that archetype, but listening to you, they get it. They get that little bit of the feel of that. They're like, Ooh, Christy's yeah. such an explorer. Oh, she's asking questions, whatever. And maybe that, maybe that opens them. up that part for them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that, there's an inspiration there. So again, you might be, the, the archetype to other people not even know it. Okay, that is a whole other conversation I'll have to have with myself on another day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this has been so great. Well, as we wrap up, Scott, I wanna ask you our high five questions now that we're officially done with our two-part series here. So yes, how you. do you have fun? I'm sorry? How do you have fun? I have fun by... I love to travel and, oh, yeah. and I do. And honestly, the, and this, I found other people like this too. I like the planning part just as much as the actual travel. Now, again, the shadow of that is over planning reduces some of the serendipitous things, you know, that would, that happen. Right. Right. Uh, and I really admire you in posting some of your stuff where you travel, like you see things that are not part of the travel that speak to you. So I like that part too, but travel for me, and the planning of it are, are very much my fun. Oh, I love it. What is the biggest leap you've ever taken? Um, that would be to, to switch that, to do that career switch that you're kind of talking about that, that was blowing your mind to go from this highly structured, logical, rational computer world, systems mm -hmm. engineer world, to this much more depth, mysterious, emotional, even uh, literature and, and, you know, where meaning is where meaning is very kind of nebulous sometimes, and and that's right, that, that, right. That's a that's a again. You talk about the two. That's worlds. a duality that's, right there. That's hilarious that duality. That kind of stuff always makes me laugh when I watch people who have career changed and they literally go from something that's so tightly wound and structured and in place, and there's definitely a right and a wrong and a black and a white, and it has to be done, and there are rules and regulations. <laughs> then they go to something that's like so far removed to the other side that just cracks me up i'm like do you notice that you just did that like that's the <laughs> of, of like to me that is like you know living into the fullness of yourself you finally have embraced this other aspect that you negated for so long doing this role i just love it i think it's hilarious it's beautiful um okay what is one thing that we as the audience might find most curious about you? 
Um, Something some we don't know. Um, well, wow, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say that I, I'm a video gamer. <laughs> that doesn't really kind of get out there. I love video games. And especially as you can possibly imagine, uh, role playing where you're somebody else. Yeah. Um, oh my there's, gosh. There's um and and uh, so you asked what my favorite one is. There there's a, a there's two two games. There's a, a, a original and a sequel called Red Dead Redemption, which is a kind of a cow an old west cowboy game. I love the archetype of the cowboy. I could do a whole show with you on cowboys, but that. Oh. But there's so there's a lot within that cowboy archetype that I I really resonate with. So so I yes I'm a gamer and maybe the other weird thing is like yeah he's he you know another kind of quality that is kind of coming out of me. How can you be more of a cowboy? What is it about the cowboy that attracts you? Whoa. I can do work on myself with that right. But I love playing it in a virtual setting. You know, playing a cowboy. That's your little traveler explorer maybe. The fact maybe that they so. can just get on yeah. a horse and go. Yeah, exactly into the sunset. There's right? them. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. What are you reading right now? Right now, I am reading, uh, well, I'm, I just finished reading a book called Electra by Jennifer Saint, which is a retelling of the story of um, Agamemnon, Clytemnestra, Orestes, uh, Electra, Cassandra, all these Trojan War figures. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And uh, so so that's with the Literati Club that you mentioned before. I'm, I, this, I'm not a moderator this month, but I, I'm not only a moderator, but a member. It sounds like the hair club for men, right? Um, <laughs> So, um, so I love, I mean, again, they often have these, these, these wonderful books that are, you know, mythologically based and it's letting me reread them. Um, not in an academic setting where it's like, get ready to write a paper, but no, where are you again? Where are you in the story? Where is your, you know, who, you know, especially cause this is all uh, kind of the, the women are the protagonists, right? So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm crossing that gender line there to say, oh, how is Cassandra like me? How is Clytemnestra like me? How is it? So that kind of thing. So I just, oh, I read that and it awesome. was really, really good. That sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. What is one thing you cannot live without? Nature. Oh. Nature. Yes, yes. I love, I love, and especially we're talking about travel before, I love in, within those travels to find whatever the, you know, the remote spot or the beautiful spot or whatever, wherever I'm traveling. Um, that, yeah, so I, I live on a little pond that's got trees around it and they haven't torn them down yet and so on, but uh you know, I love nature. I really do. One of the, in fact, one of the books um, or, you know, uh, chapters I did that, that contained the book um, for my dissertation that I was talking about for was Walden by Henry David Thoreau. So I've been to Walden many, many times. So you just love kind of that, you know, his approach to nature and his kind of, you know, merging. Yeah. With, he, they, Walden uh, uh, Thoreau was definitely a shaman, definitely in his own way. He was a shaman. So Okay, so see, here's the synchronicities. The fact that you just brought that up. I was reading a book the other day that talked about Thoreau, the Walden, Walden and the shaman and nature and rewilding the aspects of us that have gotten lost. Do you see, this is what I'm talking about. This kind of stuff cracks me up. You can't make it up. You can't make, you can't it, make up. it up. When you're talking, I'm sitting there like, is he mentioning all this stuff? I just read that the other day. That is like literally yesterday I was reading like, oh my gosh, the fact that you bring it up. I'm like, okay, I'm getting the point. I guess I got to explore this. I love it. That's so awesome. See, I'm being an archetype to you. 
<laughs> You're bringing me something that I had never thought about that keeps calling. It's, it's calling me. It definitely is coming forth and calling on me to accept this part of me in a way that doesn't have to be defined by um, the way society might define it. Nice. So see there again, it, our, the archetypes are going to show up for us in a way it works for us, not necessarily the way everyone sees it. So that's the beauty of who we get to be in this lifetime. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I, uh, we, you know, we, I, I knew that our energy would be good for, for chatting, but I'm glad we could capture lightning in a bottle here. I mean, yes, like this has just gone so many amazing, amazing, beautiful ways. Um, okay. So we are going to have your, your information on the show notes for people to get in touch with you. And I, again, highly recommend you follow Scott on Instagram because he does some really unique stuff with stories and myths and he'll, he'll get you thinking. So thank you again so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us today on living the liminal podcast. Um, You know, we always want to bring inspiration, but we want you to actually braid the edge and radically choose the stuff that works for you, that resonates with you. Um, Get closer to those parts that scare you. That's really where the fun is. And there's beauty there. Um, You are a beautiful soul. I love you. Peace out, my friends. Thank you again for being here with us today. I know that there are a million things that we are all doing every day. And the simple fact that you are here with us today, I am so very appreciative. Did you enjoy the show today? Did you have an aha? If you did, leave a comment or email me at christy at christypeck.com. We love to read your thoughts, your insights, and your wisdom. Have any questions for us? We provide the show notes. You can email me at christy at christypeck.com. Or if you are listening on the Anchor app, you can leave a voice comment or a question. If you are ready and interested to explore coaching or looking for ways to learn with me, go to my website at www.christypeck.com, where you will find all kinds of good opportunities. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Peace out, my friends.